you're listening to Unique Leaders Podcast. I'm Megan DiMartino. Success is in the story. Each week, I'll be speaking with a unique leader, not only in their field, but in their lives. Join us for a glimpse of their passion and talents. There's always a surprise in their story. Be the first to hear. Hello, 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 and welcome to Unique Leaders Live. I'm Megan DiMartino, and it is Friday, my favorite day of the week, and not because it's unique, uh, excuse me, not because of the weekend, but because of Unique Leaders Live. It is a wonderful program to help you see and hear are my guests' stories. That way you glean that information of their lives. Everyone is unique and we are all leaders, but my guests have a true story that they are going to share with you and have shared with you. Do, as I have asked you every week, if you could, share this out to all of your social media platforms, to um, uh, the uh, YouTube, subscribe to YouTube, and then next week it will be on the a podcasting platform. So there, go to iTunes and subscribe. It truly will help others find Unique Leaders Live. So today is no exception of my guest. My guest is Christopher Hussey. He has an amazing story of resilience and creativity and sales and marketing, but he also is a unique leader. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce you to my guest, Christopher Hussey. Hi, Megan. Hi. Hello. Hello. And why do you laugh? I hear a little chuckle there. I just love watching you. I love your presence and the information that you bring. So I was just smiling really, really good. Okay. Okay. Very good. I just thought maybe there was something that uh, you wanted to share with our guests about, uh, about you, but you are going to share. So with that said, I would love you to go back to where Christopher was born, a little bit about your, you know, young Christopher and what seeds, I call it your marinating DNA, uh, but what, you know, seeds were planted then and brought you to today? Young Christopher, that's such a great question. Let's see. So I was born in Florida. I'm a Florida boy, and uh, that has never changed. Although I live in Texas now, in Dallas, mm-hmm. um, I am a super fan of the beach and the water. I have an app on my phone, and every day I put the iPod, the AirPods in, and I listen to the beach. And oh, you know, wow. so born in Florida. Uh, before we moved to the beach, I grew up um, honestly very modestly. I never slept in my own bed before I left for the Marine Corps. So there was a three-bedroom house for four kids and two parents and 10 dogs, you know, in the kind of country, still love country music today. Mm -hmm. Uh, Left home when I was 17, turned 18 in boot camp at Paris Island for the United States Marine Corps Mm -hmm. and went off to see the world. Graduated first in my class. I was the guide for those of you that are in the it, familiar with the military, that's the guy who carries the flag and kind of leads the platoon oh, wow. and went from there to Japan. I was in Japan for almost four years in Okinawa, loved it. I love Asian Asian culture. I, I traveled all over the East at the time and just really loved it. And then here, Megan, I'll show you something you haven't seen before. You ready? I'm ready. You see that scar right there? I see it. That scar, I w- I'll tell you a quick story. So I was pursuing my dreams. Listen to this, Megan. Listen to this. So I'm a United States Marine. I'm a corporal. That's four, level four for those of you that are not military. And at the same time, this is going to sound a little strange to you, Megan. I was the lead singer in a country western band. Oh, my. Okay. <laughs> so I'm on Okinawa. Most people don't know. You can research this. The Japanese tend to love American music and a mm-hmm. lot of them love American country music. And so I was the lead singer in a country Western band and it was Sunday. Sunday, we had done four shows, Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night, everything was fine. Wow. And we were playing a Harley Davidson convention. Oh my gosh. On Okinawa. Think so about it. So meaning that. you're in the Marines? Well, I was in the four. Marines. Oh my goodness. I was in the Marines year four on Okinawa, Harley-Davidson convention on a Sunday, and my drummer, Marcy, he came up to me and he said, what's the matter with your neck? 
I was like, what do you mean? What's the matter with my neck? And he, and I said, he said that you got a thing. And I said, I don't have a thing. I feel great. He says, go to the bathroom. So I go to the bathroom and I look in the mirror and there is a golf ball sized bump. Now I'd been with these people for four days and it wasn't there. And so it came up very, very fast. That was Sunday. And on Wednesday, I flew back from Okinawa to America, to Augusta, Georgia, Mm -hmm. and found out I had cancer. Oh, my. And so as a 21-year-old, going on 22, I had Hodgkin's lymphoma. Oh, wow. And so Hodgkin's lymphoma, it was in my neck and it was in my groin. It had spread. So stage three, Hodgkin's lymphoma. And for about nine months, I had chemotherapy. Wow. So that was the first, you know, leaving high school and going to the Marine Corps. I guess that was a transition. But certainly the big the first big life lesson, I guess, was, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, you can go from the top of the world to the bottom in a in an instant heartbeat in a heartbeat. Just like that. Yes. Living life, strumming the guitar, singing, having a blast, like on top of the world to Mm -hmm. wow, I could die just like that. So when this happened and you're in a, a, the States, in Augusta, Georgia, did you leave the military? So so inner workings of the military, right? Mm-hmm. This was this was interesting. Uh, so I get to Eisenhower Army Medical Center in Augusta, Georgia, and I go to the doctor part of the military and they don't care who you are. They just they're, they doctor you. Right. Mm-hmm. At, but at the same time, I'm still a United States Marine. So then I have to be assigned somewhere. So I get assigned to somewhere and I get to go meet my commanding officer and I go into his office. <clears throat> kind of hair like this, a little shorter. I've always just kept it short, right? Mm-hmm. And he greets me and, hi, how you doing? How do you feel? You got your doc stuff, yada, yada. And I go, what, what's my job? And he says, your job is to get well. Mm-hmm. And I go, what, what, is that, what does that mean? He says, well, we're going to give you a, a suite, right, a, a room wow. and um, keep your hair tidy and don't get fat and get well. So wow. literally, I'm being paid by the Marine Corps to get chemotherapy. Wow. So here's the thing, though, and I think there there might be a we can talk. You know, maybe there's a lesson in this somewhere. Mm-hmm. I'm not a I'm not a sit on my butt kind of person. Mm-hmm. I'm a go out and get it done. And I loved dancing, and I loved music, and I loved teaching and interacting with people. So. That day, I go and I check into my suite or my, you know, whatever, and I, I don't know what we called it back then. It was a long time. I'm 50 now, so this is 30 years ago. And I get in my car, and I drive into downtown Augusta, and I went into a country western club, and I asked for the manager, and I said, do you have a DJ? And he says, we have a DJ. And I said, well, I want to be your DJ. Give me a shot. And he says, I have a DJ. And I said, not like me. People love to dance. They love music. They love somebody who can raise a crowd. And I can sell beer. Because if you don't know, the only thing that's important in a country western club is selling beer. Okay. Didn't know. Okay. So it's all about get them them juiced up on the floor and then send them to the bar. And I understood how to do that. Mm -hmm. And he said, come back tonight at 9 o'clock. I'm going to give you an hour set from 9 to 10. Mm -hmm. So I go back. I sleep. I go to the club around seven o'clock to kind of feel it out. And at nine o'clock, he gave me the reins of the DJ booth and I was hired that night. So for the next nine months, nine months, okay. Mm -hmm. Chemotherapy every week, Mm -hmm. getting paid by the Marine Corps, hanging out at a country club, DJing at the same time. Now, you know, I don't know if a lot of people would have just sat on their butt and collected that check, but I think that maybe that was an opportunity. Maybe the universe, maybe God knew that I was getting out of the Marine Corps and that I needed a transition point. And instead of sitting on my butt and getting paid, I went and figured out a way to earn more income, do what I love to do and help that transition and take my mind off the fact that I was getting chemotherapy every week. Right. Well, that's what I was going to share with our guest is that to me, listening to you and this story, it's the forerunner of that um, grit and grace, meaning yeah. you were given grace, yes, the sweet during chemotherapy, but you weren't going to just sit back and, t- like you said, take advantage of the cir- circumstance. You went out 
and made it work, making lemonade out of lemons. Yes, it's a, now, it's that thread in unique leaders that I hear all the time. You know, to be clear, and you know, I don't know if that I've thought about that this specifically, this retrospectively, but mm-hmm. you know, there were days. You know, I have a you know right about here. I have I had a heart catheter. Right. Because sure. when you yes. when you have chemo and they, you know, your vein, I still can't get shots to this day. Mm-hmm. You know, your veins just they just become unusable for shots. And so I had a heart catheter here mm-hmm. and there were days when I couldn't function. Yeah, I'm sure. You know, and I think that's mm-hmm. true in everybody's business. Um, I mean, think about today. I mean, we have been told to be inside. I, I just spoke with a colleague yesterday She's a, she's an, she's an amazing person and, mm-hmm. you know, her country is completely locked down mm-hmm. and she's a person who's never in her home. Mm-hmm. Right. And so yeah. there are days, no matter how your life is going, there are days you can't function and it's okay. You just deal with it. Mm-hmm. You, 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 you get the people around you that support you and hold you up. Mm-hmm. And then when you can, you get back into the DJ booth and start mixing mm-hmm. it up. Yeah, right. That's a great, I love that point of reference. Get back in the DJ booth. Yeah, it's great. Yes. And, you know, I heard a great um, quote, I guess, from uh, Glenn Lundy on uh, Clubhouse today was interviewing the gentleman who founded BNI, Ivan. I don't know yeah. his last name. And he, he had a great point, Christopher, in light of what you just said. Um, a person that does some work for me with uh, my electronics lives in Melbourne, Australia. They're totally locked down again. But Ivan there, he said, could you imagine this uh, the world in 2008 even without Zoom and all the stream yard as we're doing here and all of the technology? There'd be so many bankruptcies, more, and, and suicide. Right. Wow. Imagine if we had COVID 10 years ago. That's what he was saying. That's what his point was. It yeah. would be it would be 10x, 100x worse than it is today. And there will be so many people without the external support system like you and I are doing right now, right? right? There would yes. be so many people with that, without that external support system to see them through. Because we do. We all have days where we can't function. Mm-hmm. And it's up to the rest of the world. It takes a village, right? It's up mm-hmm. to the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. To, to keep us whole. Amen. And I, that's why Clubhouse has re- resonated so strongly uh, because of that um, video, that audio app communicating, connecting. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So then you obviously then uh, survived. And Perfect. All good. <laughs> all good. And uh, so then what uh, evolved from there? So... After cancer, I went back home to Florida. I moved back in with my parents Mm -hmm. and kind of just took a deep breath. And another leg up, a wonderful thing. You know, I am a fan of veterans. I give time and money and energy to veterans to this day because the United States government and the Marine Corps specifically has given so much to me. Mm -hmm. One of the things when you are medically retired, as I am, you can apply for and be approved for college. Right. Yeah. So I applied to to go to college. This is a this is a funny story. Megan, you ready for this one? Oh, I'm loving your story. So keep going. hold your seat. Hold your okay. seat here. This is kind of funny. Mm-hmm. So I apply to college and I get accepted and I get a four year uh, ride, basically, on, on behalf of the Marine Corps. Mm-hmm. And I I apply to and I get accepted to Belmont University. Belmont University is a Baptist university, and for those of for those of you who are unfamiliar, it's in Nashville, Tennessee. Okay. And it is at the head of so there are two streets that make up uh, country music's music row, and those two streets dead end <laughs> at Belmont University. That is so a here, funny story, <laughs> right? So yeah. I, I'm into country music and I'm like, I'm going to go, I'm going to go and I'm going to go to Nashville and I'm going to get a degree. I didn't get a degree in music. I got a degree in music business. Oh, very smart. Music business. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that part of my life was awesome. I, I get into the dorm. I'm 22 years old. 
I'll let you use your imagination. I'd been a United States Marine in Japan playing on stage for four years. So I'm not I'm not a kid. I'm young, but I'm not a kid. Right. And the other dorm members are 17 and 18. So that wasn't going to work. That that's not that wasn't going to work. No. So there was this guy on television. You might you might have heard of him. His name was Carlton Sheets. Oh, I do remember him. Do you remember Carlton Sheets? I can't place why I know him, but I you'll tell me. So Carlton Sheets used to sell a course. I don't think he's around anymore. Okay. He used to sell a course called No Money Down Real Estate. Okay. Mm-hmm. And he sold it for whatever. It's a couple hundred bucks. Right. So I, I order Carlton Sheets No Money Down Real Estate course. And I go through it. And I go, I'm going to buy a house. Mm-hmm. And so I apply it. When you get in college, they just throw credit cards at you. It's yeah. just a thing. They just like, I don't love that. But mm-hmm. it's a fact. They just throw credit cards at you. So I applied for a couple of credit cards. I got $6,000 in credit cards. <laughs> and I bought a three-bedroom house with no money down on Leslie Avenue, four blocks from Belmont University. Oh. And I rented it out to two other guys. And I had a new house in, in oh. Nashville. Oh. <laughs> right? Oh. And so mm-hmm. I think... What I learned from that, and I don't know if I knew this before, but certainly today it still resonates with me. I think there are there is convention, right? There is the way things are done. Mm-hmm. And then there is the opportunity to do them. However, listen to this, yes. gets it done. Yes. Right? So, yes. And, I, and I think a lot of people are stuck in the way things are done. Correct. Mm-hmm. And I tend to be over here in the get it done. Like whatever Mm -hmm. the obstacle is, you just go around it, under it, over it, build a ladder, swing or whatever it is. You just, you're my kind of guy. You figure it out. (laughs) Yes. Mm -hmm. So, so I'm in this house on Belmont, uh, on Leslie Avenue and near Belmont. I'm going to school. I met my best friend. His name was Chris as well. I was Mm -hmm. Christopher. He was Chris. Mm -hmm. He played guitar. I sang. It was a great time. And, um, Arista Records. Arista Records. Remember them? Alan Jackson, Brooks mm-hmm. and Dunn, right? Mm-hmm. Arista Records. <clears throat> I go to to, to the Belmont um, intern office and I go there and I apply and I get rejected. And I'm like, why am I rejected? He says, we don't give internships to freshmen. You have to be a sophomore. Right. So they don't want 17 year olds. So I go back to the office mm-hmm. and I go, hey, I, I, let's 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 powwow let's here. Let's talk. Right. Let's mm-hmm. talk. I said, I've been a United States Marine. I'm 22. I'm not 17. I'm a professional. I own my own home. Yada, yada, yada. And he goes, you're right. I'm going to get you an internship. Right. So don't the lesson is don't take no for an answer. Amen. Go back again. Right. Whatever mm-hmm. the rules are, mm-hmm. maybe. the I, OK, this is weird. This is not good. <laughs> But maybe the rules don't apply to you. That's right. Right? Maybe they don't. Maybe those are the rules, but maybe they don't apply to you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he gets me an internship at Arista Records. Arista, it's, this is Arista Records. I know. Jackson I mean, Alan Jackson and Nashville, Tennessee. Nashville, Tennessee. And it's right down. So I would go to school in the morning, and then I would... I would walk down Music Row to Arista Records, and I worked in the A and R and uh, PR department of Arista Records for a year. Um, and at the end of the, I just had a blast. I, I got to go on tour with with Alan Jackson. That's and, what I was going to ask you. Wow. And mm-hmm. not on tour. Let's be clear. I wasn't singing and all that. I was the guy, you know, tossing water bottles and yeah, but you still. know, getting towels. But it was amazing. It was mm-hmm. unbelievable, right? Mm-hmm. And and I got to connect with people, and there was an assignment, and the assignment was, this was the assignment, pick a person who's in the industry and interview them about a specific type of question and bring it back and present the answer to that industry-specific question to the class. So I'm like, okay. And I'm like, go big or go home, Right. Right. So <laughs> I picked I picked Garth Brooks. Ah, uh-huh. I was waiting. Okay. I picked Garth Brooks. Had no he, idea. He was at the pinnacle of his oh, career. Oh yeah. It was yeah, yeah, he was the best of the best, right? Mhm. So I picked Garth Brooks 
And I start research. How do I right? I start asking my my copyright law teacher and my right all. I'm I'm asking the AR ANR person. How do I? How do I? How do I? And his manager was named Ken. And what most people didn't know about Ken <laughs> is Ken was the one of the biggest managers in the industry. Lionel Richie, oh. Trisha Yearwood, mm-hmm. Garth, like the whole thing, right? Mm-hmm. And so I reached out. I finally, I finally got an in to Garth. He responded to me. Not probably not. I don't know if it was him, but it was somebody oh. from Garth responded to me, and basically said, "I'm on a European tour. Yada 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 yada. I can't do it. However, here's this person. You should interview them." And that was Ken. And so I get in touch with Ken, who was in LA, mm-hmm. and I, I, I'm back and forthing with him, and. The, Again, you just never, ever know where the opera, if you're open, if you're open, you don't know what's going to happen if you just get it done. Mm -hmm. Ken writes me back and he goes, hey, Trisha Yearwood is going to win CMA Woman of the Year and I'm going to be with her at the CMAs, come to the CMAs. And do your interview with me at the CMA. I'm like freaking out. I am freaking out, right? Mm-hmm. And so we're co- we're corresponding. And he says, "Hey, I'm in town." He was great. He was awesome, by the way. Hey, mm-hmm. I'm in town. We're doing our sound checks. This is the day before the CMAs are live. Mm-hmm. Country Music Awards for those of you that are not country, right? Day before the CMAs are live. Are live. He says, "I'm in town. Trish is doing her sound check today." come meet me. And I'm like, come meet you. He says, yeah, come down to the Ryman auditorium and meet me. I'd never been to the Ryman auditorium, right? Come and meet me. He says, I'll leave your name at the back door. Okay. So I am a freak country guy, right? Like saying all these songs. And I go up to the back door and there's a guy in front of me and he's like 90 feet tall, like super tall dude, (laughs) big cowboy hat on, Wrangler jeans, boots, polo shirt, hanging out. I can't see his face because he's in front of me and I'm walking and I'm like, you know, five steps behind him and he grabs the door and he slides out of the way like a country gentleman would. And it's George Strait. Oh my. George Strait opens the door for me to go into the back of the Ryman Auditorium. And I go in the back of the Ryman Auditorium and everybody who's anybody is there. Every single, everybody is there. And Ken comes up, gives me a hug. He says, hey, thanks for coming. We're going to do the interview. We're going to go out front in the auditorium. We're going to sit in the second row. I'm going to listen to Trisha. We're going to chat and then we'll go have lunch after. And he says, you hang back here and just, you know, be cool. He says, be cool. And I was like, okay, I got, I'm cool. Everybody, everybody. And so I get to meet everybody and take pictures with everybody. And then I get to sit and watch Trisha do her thing. And then Ken takes me to lunch. I should be taking him to lunch. He takes me to lunch. We have a great lunch. Anyway, amazing. Wow. I mean, it's like you're Simon Cowell and um, right. whomever rolled into one. You know? Rolled into one, right. I mean, Jay, Jay Leno or, you know, rolled into one. Holy moly. So wow. even though I'm going after Garth Brooks, right? Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. a no. That's, yes. That's right? it. Right and there. that's the lesson. Even yeah. though there, that's a no, mm-hmm. it turns into something that I, I, you know, honestly, arguably much, much better. Because Garth yeah. would have been a phone call. Exactly. Uh, how you doing? It was, it was much, much, much you better. You would never have had that experience. But, you know, when you first started sharing the story, I was thinking about when you went back saying, hey, hey, guys, I'm, you know, 22. And in the Marines and all that, I was thinking about Napoleon Hill, and he has a story where he it was a summer job when he was in college, and this is before he met Andrew Carnegie, but uh, this is the same principle. He wanted a job with this publishing company, and they were like, sorry, and he sent them a letter every day. Yep. And finally, he sent it a special delivery. And then yep. finally, they were like, who is this guy? And then they uh, said, OK, start tomorrow. So but it's that now that's pretty obtuse and, and, and you know, more so than you, you going back to them at Arista. But the point is the same principle. You didn't got to go for it. Yes. You don't stop. You just don't stop. The, sometimes the rules are there mm-hmm. 
to weed out the people who aren't That's serious. That's it right there. And most people don't understand that. Right. But right. if you if you quit the first time the door is closed in front of you, yes, you weren't really committed to the opportunity anyway. It just is the way it is. I shared a story with my assistant, my my producer, uh, Elizabeth, today on a point of this. I'm not going to go into it, but again, if you're it, and again, if you are passionate about your vision, the the blessings will come. Right. But you have to stay focused and passionate about that vision. Absolutely. Okay, kiddo. So did so continue on in your music uh, journey. Okay. All right. Now this is a big one, Megan. This is big. This is big. So at the end of all that, as we're getting towards the end of that little segment, right? Mm -hmm. I don't really have any money because mm -hmm. I'm not working a job. Right. Right. I didn't make that much money in the Marine Corps. Mm -hmm. And I got to pay for this house, mm -hmm. right? So I'd reach the, I'd reach the, you know, there, there isn't any money at the month. There's more month than the money, right? I'd reach the end. Mm -hmm. I'm at the end. And so I really, I was like, okay, I got to get a job. I got to go find a way to get some money. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm looking in the penny saver, right? I which remember the, the penny the saver. Thing, the, which was a thing back then. Mm -hmm. And And there was an ad and the ad said, make $22 an hour teaching country Western dance. And I'm like, okay, 22 bucks an hour. I'm good with 22 an hour. I, that's, you know, work yeah, four hours a day. That's good money, right? Mm -hmm, Especially mm -hmm. 30 years ago. That's good. I was going to say then 22 was very, very good. Yes. Yeah. That's good money. Mm -hmm. And so I answered this ad, right? Very different from today. I'm in jeans and boots. I got a Charlie one horse hat on and a t-shirt and I walk into this studio in Bellmead, Nash, in Bellmead, Tennessee. And uh, I walk in v totally formal. And I do not look the part. Let's be super clear. I do not look the part. And Lawrence Elkin meet, meets me and interviews me. And at the end of it, this is what he said to me. He said, I'm going to hire you if I didn't come from a place where you wear suits. Mm -hmm. Right. The suit yeah. was re reserved for church. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And so he said, if you come back tomorrow with your haircut, I'd let, you know, I'd let mm -hmm. my hair go out mm -hmm. a little bit since the Marine Corps. Mm -hmm. If you come back tomorrow with your haircut, with dress shoes on in a suit and tie, you can start tomorrow. So I went and bought a suit and tie, new pair of dress shoes, got my haircut, and I became a dancer knowing very little about teaching people to dance, but I became a dancer. And there's there's a lesson here, though. This is important. Um, for the next two years, I learned that I love dancing. Today, I can't imagine life without dancing. Like I literally don't understand people who don't dance. Yeah, I don't. I don't have a frame of reference for people who don't dance. But what was awesome about Lawrence? Lawrence was the number one consultant for the dance industry. Oh, wow. He taught dance studios to make multiple millions of dollars a year. And I actually credit Lawrence, this guy that I met on a whim trying to pay for whatever in college. Right. With teaching me how to do sales. And it was the most, it was the oddest place to learn to do sales. Interesting. But. He understood funnels. Uh -huh. He understood marketing and he understood ascension selling. I knew none of this back then, but he understood ascension selling. And so we would he would put out ads that were 25, five lessons for $25. Now I was making at the time $30 an hour because I, you know, I'm a quick learner and I know how to sure. you know, take advantage of the comp plan or whatever, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And I was making $30 an hour. So he's losing his butt on five lessons for $25, right? <laughs> he's not making any money. And I was like, how is he doing that? Because my brain didn't understand that. <laughs> but what he understood is that those are prospects and leads. Mm -hmm. And we were booked all the time. Mm -hmm. And then the goal of that five for 25 was to sell them a $200 package. Mm-hmm. And yes. so at the end of that $200 package, he's basically breaking even. He's still not making money. 
But the end at the end of that two hundred dollar package, we sold them a two thousand dollar package. Mm-hmm. And about ten percent of the people who bought the two thousand dollar package bought a five, ten, or thirty thousand dollar package. Really? Wow. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And so in that two years, I was earning about one hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars as a college student. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I was earning about one hundred seventy-five thousand dollars as a college student. So I would go to school in the morning, 8 a.m. classes to about 1, and then I would go to the studio on Bellmead about 2 o'clock, and I would work all night long. And that was my day. That became what I did. I went to college in the morning, and I, I, I taught dance at night. And what, what, what the transition for me was, it was the two things that I really loved doing. I love dancing to this day, and there's more of this story. I love dancing. But I also love sales. I love the science of sales. Mm-hmm. I love the application of it, mm-hmm. right? And I and I learned not only to be an incredible dancer, which I adore, mm-hmm. but I learned how to take any product, mm-hmm. any idea, and and make millions of dollars with it. Yeah, and yeah. and that would have never happened without that ad in the penny saver. No, no, and that uh, it, you know, but it also has an interesting a connection to joy. You know, you're a very joyful person and you look at the positive things and that's that DNA. Like I said earlier in the beginning of our chat, you know, about where did you, you know, where were you born and a little bit about you, but you have my father said to me, one of the last things he said to me, uh, my parents lived to their uh, mid to latter nineties and they passed four months apart. And the last thing he said to me, Christopher, is he said, you know, you're very lucky well, on some level, you could look at, you know, my house burned down, I was divorced, ah, you know, a single parent of two kids, da, da, da. And, um, but I said, okay, I'm looking, why? He said, you have a happy heart. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and, uh, and that is a gift. It is. And so it is a true gift. You know what? I want to be, I, I want to say something specifically about that, because I believe that there are people out there who do not see the yes. glass half full. Yes. And for those of you that are listening going, I wish I saw the glass half full, but I just don't. You know, some mm-hmm. of us do that. You can learn to see the glass half full. Yeah, you can, it's a skill. You, can, you, don't, you don't have to be born with a happy heart. You can get a transplant. right? You can learn yes, to see the get, world in a, exactly. in a gratitude way. And that is actually how I answered him. You know, I sat back and I thought about it and I said, but dad, joy, it's a choice. And that's exactly, that is exactly what I said to him. And um, I'm grateful for that, but it is a choice every day to make that choice. Absolutely. And today, why don't you expound upon that a teeny bit and go into the, you know, from the latter part, you know, where it goes from there, but meaning to help our guests who are listening today, because we're in a very uh, pivotal time. You know, I, there's this there's this little quote. It's this is not a quote, but it's a little picture, and I, I put it out about once a year. Mm-hmm. And it's these two little stick figures. You may have even seen it. it's these two little stick figures, and this one stick figure is just super exuberant and happy, and the other stick figure is sad. And you go, you go, and the 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 sad stick figure looks at the others, the happy stick figure, and he goes, "It's happiness. Where'd you find it?" And the mm-hmm. happy stick figure says, I found it inside. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a that's, good one. It's super, like, that's where it is. It's, yes. it's right here. Happiness mm-hmm. is right here. You know, mm-hmm. I, was ta- I was telling you about my colleague yesterday that I was talking to. And, you know, she's, she's, she's having a tough time of it. Yes. She's an amazing person. Mm-hmm. And in in the industry that we serve, in the network marketing industry, and I used to go through this when I was in the field. In the industry that we serve, there is what I'm about to say is slightly controversial, so I apologize in advance okay. for, for the for the nasty comments if you get any. There is this mantra that you should not recruit people who are in the business. That's the that's the mantra. The mantra is leave people alone. If they're a network marketer, go oh. get new customers, right? Mm-hmm. Don't recruit people from other countries. Now, other companies, pardon me. Now, here's the reality. Everybody does it. All the people, and I, okay, so this is the part where you're going to get nasty comments made. So here we go. I've all, got the people, all the people out there going, don't you recruit other people who are in company. They all do it. 
it's one of the most hypocritical things in the industry because everybody recruits other leaders because the fastest way to create an amazing organization is the leverage of experience. Yes. The fastest way to grow your company, whether you are in network marketing or not, mm -hmm. is to leverage a coach, leverage yes. a mentor, leverage yes. experience. And it's yes. the same exact thing in network marketing. Mm -hmm. Here's the challenge. Here's one of the challenges. If you're awesome, and this girl is freaking awesome, people are going to recruit you. They're going to attempt, even though the entire industry goes, don't do that. That's not good. They all do it. They're going to attempt to move you from your company to their company so you can be awesome in their company. It just is a thing. Now, here's the thing. And this is one of the conversations I had with her. That's a blessing. You know why? Because nobody recruits people who suck. I was just going to say, because she's great. I wanted to. Like, she's, a, she's great. Yeah. She's great. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the only reason she's gotten so much attention and so many people going, the grass is greener over here. It's not, by the way. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. Yes. You can become a multimillionaire in any modern network marketing company today if you get the education and do what you, what, what you have to do. So the grass mm -hmm. is not greener. Mm-hmm. But the reason why people are saying the grass is greener is because she's freaking awesome. So she can see that as this really, this really makes me grumpy, right? <laughs> this get leave me alone. I'm focused. Or she can mm -hmm. go, I'm so awesome. Everybody wants me. Yeah, choice. Right? Mm -hmm. Same glass, same mm -hmm. water, mm -hmm. just mm -hmm. a different perspective. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you know, I, I, I shared with you before we began that I've never done direct sales before because I mean I've been manufacturing products and selling them and selling you know in the industry uh, anyone who has skin uh, but um, but the principles of sales are the same of building relationships and that's what network marketing is and people then like back to your colleague there she's awesome because I, I don't even know her, but because she has built relationships with people and they know her like her and trust her. That's correct. So absolutely. those principles do not change regardless of what you're doing. You know, it's absolutely true. Mm -hmm. I don't personally believe that there is a difference in the fascia of how you build a successful network marketing business, how you build a successful franchise business, how you build a successful transactional business with a widget. Mm -hmm. I think that the steps that you use within those different types of business models are the same. Mm -hmm. The way that you build your community is different. Mm -hmm. The way yes. that you get paid is different. And that's one of the most challenging things about the direct sales, the network marketing industry, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Is you, you're paid to create a group of people mm -hmm doing a simple thing over time mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in transactional businesses you are paid to create a transaction yes in franchise businesses you are paid to replicate a model mm -hmm. and most people come from the transactional business uh perspective mm -hmm. and so when they are introduced to the direct sales or the network marketing model which i love i like the term network network marketing very proud of that term when they're introduced to network marketing, they believe, as I did, by the way, this is, mm -hmm. again, a learned skill. Mm -hmm. They believe that it's transactional when it is not. Mm -hmm. It is not transact. Although transactions are certainly a component, it is not transactional. It is, it is the most relational of all businesses, whereas transactional businesses involve relationship skills. Yeah, no, I see it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's not as relational. Mm -hmm. as developing a brand and a relationship in a franchise model, which is more relational than trend than transactional businesses. And mm -hmm. then you, you escalate or ascend the relationship. The network marketing model is the ultimate relationship business. And if you cannot overcome that skill set, mm -hmm. you can be very successful. You can earn a thousand, five thousand, ten thousand. 
But the people who are earning 100000 200000 300000 a million a year, mm-hmm. those people understand relationships and creating community. Yeah, no, it's, it's fabulous. And it's very um, exciting for, the, the, you know, for such a time as this. Yeah. And it really is an amazing uh, opportunity and dynamic. Now, in Unique Leaders, um, we're, you know, kind of coming to the end of our time together. And I, I wanted you to share that because I truly believe that we will help not just one person, but many people with this, because it's it's not only sharing your fabulous story of, you know, grit and grace, but it also, and fun, 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 but also the dynamic dynamic of what we shared. But you did say in the beginning of the um, our visit together that you live in Dallas, but you're a Florida boy. How did you get to uh, Dallas, Texas? I know there's a long story. We don't, probably don't have time for that, but uh, we'll come back and visit again. But um, tell, share a little we, bit about that piece, you know, that transition. We, we might get some grumpy Floridians on this one. You ready? Uh-oh. You ready for that? Uh-oh. My everything, I, I had a conversation with a colleague yesterday about an opportunity that was put in front of me that I turned down. Mm-hmm. And I turned down the opportunity, not because it wasn't amazing, because it is amazing. And the peop- these people are unbelievable. I love them to death. My answer is the same answer as this. I am first and foremost, a husband and a father. Mm-hmm. And at 50 years old, I'm 50. I just turned 50 on September 2nd. Exactly. At 50 years old, I love walking my kids to school every morning. Mm -hmm. I've had a great career. I've been super blessed. I love picking my kids up and taking them for ice cream after school. Mm -hmm. I love taking my kids to Cub Scouts and taking my daughter to to Girl Scouts and spending time with Mm -hmm. my family. And today I make choices that are twofold. Number one, does it keep me in the presence of the people I love? And number two, Does it further their future? Mm -hmm. And so how does this relate to your question? Florida is an amazing state. Mm -hmm. It's just not an amazing state for kids, in my opinion. Okay. Mm -hmm. Right? Florida is an amazing state if you want to party and hang out at the beach Mm -hmm. and go to concerts. Florida is an amazing place to visit. Mm -hmm. They don't put money into their school system there as much as I believe that they should. Mm -hmm. Right? Florida mm-hmm. is a great place if you can you want to, to- fo- totally focus on yourself. Mm-hmm. Texas, mm-hmm. on the other hand, mm-hmm. I love their taxation system. Mm-hmm. I know that sounds weird, but the amount of taxes mm-hmm. you pay on the property you own in the state of Texas goes directly to fund the school system mm-hmm. where you live. Mm-hmm. So you're... Your property taxes build the schools, pay the teachers, Mm -hmm. get the curriculum. And I love that. And the schools here are amazing, Mm -hmm. the way they interact. And so for me, Texas is the right place to raise my children and my family. Well, I'm a New York girl, and I moved to Fort Worth, Texas in 1987 for a job with Alcon Laboratories. I moved with an 11-year-old daughter. And not knowing a soul. So we ha- we're kind of kindred spirits here. I too. love that. Okay. And, um, you know, I, I took that job specifically because I knew by that point it was time to do my skincare brand, to create. And that's part of my story, my journey. But um, back in the day, there was only, there wasn't Mr. Google and there wasn't, you know, websites and the like. So there were only as you know, brick and mortar and wholesale, but also Mary Kay and things of that nature in right. that, that arena. But um, I had been, worked in the wholesale beauty industry in national sales and marketing. So I was able to hang out with very sophisticated chemists at Alcon to help me put together my first brand, Glycolique, that I launched in 1992. But, you know, I, when I came to Texas, I didn't say, oh, I'm moving to Texas because the tax structures, but, you know, I'm not, what did I know? But I loved, now back to your country and Western, I loved I'm talking about Ralph Lauren and that feel, you know, I wore cowboy boots and so forth. And I love the feeling of Texas because I traveled here often on business and I just, I want, I was ready for an adventure. So I came right. for my wild west adventure and I haven't looked back. 
Texas, amazing, amazing state. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, every state has its good and its bad. You know, we yes. could have a whole podcast on that, right? Yes, sir. My wife and I are very intentional. I think this is a good thing in business as well. Uh, we get teased a lot. I get teased by my my guy friends. We have four kids. They are all exactly three years apart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we we plan to have our first kid. We plan to have the second one, the third one. Like we planned it. And I think that's, I think a lot of people are allowing their life to happen. Mm-hmm. They are allowing their business to happen, right? Yes. We plan to move to Texas. We researched it. We okay. This is the place we want to raise our family. I think you, I, I think you you have to be intentional, and you have to research and make decisions, and then follow through on those decisions, yes. and you create success. Yes, and that is a fabulous way to tie up everything we have been talking about because you shared that point early on, and we spoke about that. If you have that vision, and are truly committed to it life works out what works its way through it and you stay focused on that that is awesome awesome well that is a fabulous place to lead me to my last question for you uh-oh uh-oh and i ask everyone this question um and this goes back to the book three feet from gold i don't know if you've ever read it sharon uh lecter and greg reed and it's basically fiction but um it starts out with this guy in the gold rush days he was a West, I mean, East Coast guy, and he got gold fever, came out West, bought his piece of land, chiseled away at his little uh, property, seeking his gold rush. And he got very frustrated and gave up. He sold his property to a town guy. He picked up that chisel and kept working and in three feet struck gold. And so in that story, and then it goes into somewhat autobiographical to Greg Reed's life, and but Sharon, in that story, basically crafted what she calls her success formula. And it's passion plus talent times association, which you mentioned earlier, plus action, which we've talked about, plus faith equals success. I don't ask you are your points. We've covered most of them. But what is your passion, Christopher? And what is your talent? Oh my goodness. We could do a whole whole podcast on this. We can. <laughs> my passion is seeing other people achieve their goals. I I've I've been very fortunate to work with entrepreneurs for a long time, whether that was at as the CMO of a company or whether mm-hmm. that was as a consultant or whatever. There are so many people out there who they have a dream they can see it, but the obstacles are in the way and they can't figure out how to get those obstacles out of the way. Right. And so my passion is helping those people get the obstacles out of the way. And that leads to the second answer, which is my superpower, right? My talent Mm -hmm. is stepping back from the trees. You've heard this before. Everybody has, you can't see the forest for the trees, right? Mm -hmm. So people Mm -hmm. are so close to the bark, to the problem, right? That they can't just step outside, right? Get in a hot air balloon and look down and go, oh, if I just move this one thing, mm-hmm. the path would be clear, right? My my superpower is seeing the whole achievement and going from idea to bank account. That's my superpower. I love it. I love it. And all of these, and that's what I love about unique leaders is that you see this, like you said, from the, I love the hot air balloon analogy, looking down and you can look at this entire story and uh, through is this, we have cancer, we have, need, you know, needing capital there in college on and on, but through it, you learned and you crafted and you discovered you, but our guests will see this through your story, Christopher. Thank you so much for sharing all this today. Truly enjoyed Megan, being I, with you. I really appreciate you. I was I was enamored when you invited me and now it's even even more enamored. Thank you so much. Truly my pleasure. But hang in the green room. I'll be there in a minute. Okay. Wow. What a great journey that we just 
took with Christopher Hussey. Uh, just, and you know, as you know, folks, if you follow unique leaders, most often I don't know my guest's story. There's something about their essence, their essence today that is compelling to me that I know that I want them to share their story for you, but I don't know their whole story and all of the innuendos in between the lines. So it was such a joy to really travel through Christopher's journey. So again, visit this again, listen to it when it's on a podcast, just marinate on his story because it will give you hope and infinite possibilities. I asked you earlier, I'm going to ask you again, if you would share this out. There's so many people, and if it helps one person, it's truly what Christopher and I, our hearts are, and all of my guests. If you listen to their their the last question, so many of them say very similar, very differently, but similar things. They want to help people, and they their talent is to create that vehicle or that opportunity. So just share this out on all of your social media platforms. We would truly, truly appreciate it. Go to YouTube, subscribe, the Megan DiMartino Unique Leaders uh, page. Again, that will help people find it. And then know that it is on all of the podcasting platforms by next week. But go to iTunes specifically and, and really do a review. It would help us dramatically to reach other people. I was learning from, I am learning, I guess I should say, from Glenn Lundy on um, Breakfast with Champions. They have now a podcast. I'm going to give Glenn um, a plug here, but that you need to get to 50 reviews. And it's a very important point or place. So please do uh, go to their uh, Breakfast with Champions, but also because both Christopher and I have been on Breakfast with Champions, so we're in some of the uh, podcasts. But do go to Unique Leaders and uh, do give a review. I truly, truly would appreciate it. And lastly, my book, Hope and Possibilities, Just Over the Horizon. It's never too early or too late, as Christopher and I have been sharing, to create the life of your dreams. So go to megandemartino.com. It's an ebook, download it, and it is there for you. So until next week to our next Unique Leaders Live, have a wonderful weekend, a blessed weekend, and thank you. Thank you for listening to the Unique Leaders Podcast. If we said something today that resonated with you, please connect with me at megandemartino.com. I have a free gift for you, my book, hope and possibilities just over the horizon. It's never too early or too late to create the life of your dreams. And don't forget to head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. I would truly appreciate it. Be blessed.